James chapter 3. Um, so again, my, my original intention was to spend 10, maybe 15 minutes on some KBC stuff. I've sort of gotten word, um, you know, people are concerned, and rightly so. I understand why. And uh, uh, this is only my second national convention I've ever been to. The first one was because it was in Louisville. And uh, I think we stayed with friends. Maybe not. Maybe someone paid for our hotel. We were dirt poor. But thanks to you all, I was able to go. And I mean that. It's in the budget. I usually save it for the state convention. But thanks to you all, I was able to go. Otherwise, it's just not a random trip I could take to Nashville. Um, I didn't decide until Sunday afternoon. Actually, you you can blame um, Emily Benton for this. Um, Because I'm not preaching Sunday, you're welcome. Uh, it did free up my, my schedule a bit, and that never happens with funerals, weddings, or conventions, right? And you're, you're, you're always slammed at that, so it's sort of the planets aligned. Um, but what I want to do is, is really talk about four things um, out of it, and, and my goal is to, to encourage you. Um, I'm a lifelong SBC guy. Uh, I think we said this last week. I was, I was Southern Baptist born and bred. I'll be Southern Baptist dead or so, whatever it is. And uh, um, I've been trying to get in the habit to say Great Commission Baptist. We have a nickname that will probably eventually be our official name. Uh, and it's Great Commission Baptist Convention. Um, uh, and, and I'm sure you can guess why. Um, the title Southern has with it an unfortunate history. Um, and uh, so for the last few years, we've, it may, I don't get, I think it's on this shirt, but the uh, slogan for the Sin Conference, I think, was. Great Commission Baptist or something like that. Okay, so I want to start here, uh, and that is with Thanksgiving, things that I, I'm thankful for. Uh, a couple things uh, in light of, of – of, and I, I watched the first – so it finished today. I watched the first half of the convention up to lunch, and so I missed the ERLC stuff, in case you've been keeping up with that, with Dr. Moore and everything, and the uh, vote on sexual abuse. So, But I, I kind of have an idea of some of what, what went on. So first thing, thankful for, and that is the local church. Um, one of the things that I think people forget, particularly when you read the news, so this may help you. When it comes to the Great Commission Convention, Southern Baptist Convention, we are not a top-down entity. So if you go to the Catholic Church, well, let me give you an example. Uh, I was uh, in Breckridge County. There are a large number of Catholics. I've mentioned this before. If you follow the Ohio River in Kentucky, that's where the Catholics are. So Louisville, uh, Meade County, Breckridge County, Hancock County, Owensboro, all that very Catholic area. Because the Catholics came down the river, the Baptists came up through, through, through the mountains. And so in the central of Kentucky, it's where all the Baptists are, right? We get this, okay. So there was a guy, he had converted to, to Catholics so you know, he can get married. And uh, he was complaining about something in the Catholic Church to me. I said, doesn't matter. Your opinion don't matter. The Pope will tell you what you think about this. That is top-down approach. In a Presbyterian church or a Methodist church. So, so if, if we were a Methodist church, I could be your pastor for one year. I could be your pastor for 60 years. You would not have a say in it for if I came, how long I stayed, or any of that. Now, I'm glad that's not the case. I, you know, I think we all are, right? You can get rid of me as fast as, as, fast as you, you brought me on. At the same time, it means the search process is much more you know, undesirable. Let's, let's be honest, on both ends. Um, we are a... We are, we are a, a autonomous uh, church. No one can come in and tell us uh, who to hire, who to fire, what to do, uh, what our budget should be, what we should do with any, any of our offerings. And they, can't, they can't do any of that. We choose to align with a local association. Uh, we choose to align with a, a Kentucky Baptist 
uh, as well as the, the national convention. The reason I say that is, is if you're tempted to look at newspapers, they view the Southern Baptist Convention through a top-down lens. They say that if the president of the convention said this, this is what the local church thinks. Or if this entity or this committee, and this happened there, then that must be true at the lowest level. And that's not the case at all. Uh, and, and truth is, so if the convention were to pass a resolution you disagree with, that has no binding authority over you and me, or especially over this church. Okay? That's, that's, that's something I think we forget a lot. At the same time, um, the convention reminds us that if you look at the convention at the local church level, there's a lot of reasons to be excited. A lot of reasons to be concerned. You know, average Christian probably couldn't tell you what the gospel is. That's a real problem with the sermons. Average Christian hasn't shared their faith with anyone in, in 80 years. Uh, so there's some real concerns. But if you want to know who Southern Baptists are, don't go to the annual convention. Go to your local church. Um, and and, and, and I, I think it's important for us, for us to see that. Um, and I would also say I'm thankful for this church. Uh, you all know I'm not a good administrator. I, I, I just can't stand administration. Um, I'm, 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 I'm not patient enough for it. Um, if something needs to be done, I think you should just go do it rather than have a large meeting over it. That is my, that's a problem I have. You, you all have probably noticed it. Um, so I struggle at big business meetings. Um, we literally, that, that when I first got there to the uh, business meeting part, we spent 20 minutes debating if we should add 15 minutes to the business meeting part. I struggle with that, okay? I walked out. Like, like Everyone's in here. No one's in the exhibit hall, right? No one's <laughs> just free stuff is waiting for me. Um, and then, then I came back, and it was a little more tense. But um, um, the way I think we conduct ourselves as a church, uh, I, I, I think you are worthy of, to, to be commended there. And that was one of the things that I got from that. So I'm thankful for the local church. Um, and uh, uh, here's, here's a good example of this. This is a picture taken uh, during the, the convention. I stole this off Twitter. I'm back here somewhere. You can also see there's literally about fifteen to 16,000 people in, in this room. Uh, I hope no, none of them were the local fire marshal. Uh, they, they would not have been, been happy. But at one point, they asked us to use our chairs as an altar, and, and we pray. Look, look, this image will not show up in, in, online of, of any of the sites you read or a newspaper. It's not. CNN is not going to cover this right here. Here is Southern Baptists representing their local church, praying for the nations and praying for the local church. Right, so, so I want to encourage you that uh, hopefully you've learned over the last what, four, five, ten years if it's online, you probably shouldn't believe it, okay? If it's on social media, you know not to believe it, okay? Um, so, uh, so secondly, the work of missions around uh, the world. Let me give you some statistics. Many of you all know we have two entities that focus on missions. One is uh, more local. The one is uh, foreign. It used to be called the Foreign Mission Board. First is North American Mission Board, um, and they obviously do North American missions. The president of North American Mission Board comes from Louisville, uh, where he pastored. His, his last ministry position was the senior pastor of Highview Baptist Church. Uh, he was around Southern quite a bit. A lot of the professors and students went to Highview. I didn't because I was a small country church sort of guy uh, in a big city. So, but uh, I think the world of Kevin is there. I, I have a high view of him, um, uh, minus the, the sweater vest. Let me give you some, some of the statistics he gave. Since 2010, so last, really, you're, you're looking at a 10-year period, okay? Because you obviously can't count 2021. 
the North American Mission Board has planted uh, over 8,000 churches. Now, to give you an idea, uh, we, we are the largest uh, denomination. We're technically not a denomination, but that, we're, 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 uh, we're splitting frog hairs, to use a Danny term. Um, but we're the largest Protestant denomination in the United States and in the West. Okay? Um, that, with that said, 17% of the churches in existence now have only been around for 10 years or less. The strategy of, and you've heard me talk about this, of the North American Mission Board is to plant churches in major cities where there aren't a lot of churches. So they're not going to Frankfort, Kentucky, though there's talk of planting churches here, right? I'm all for that. Uh, but going to where I went to Salt Lake City, we went to Cincinnati, um, uh, KBC sponsoring Boston and, and, and other places. New York, I've, I've been in contact with a church planner in New York. Maybe we can take a trip up there to support them. But they're called SEND cities, not sin cities. You've got to be careful how you say that. But you think about it, 17% of the churches in the Southern Mass Convention are less than 10 years old. And it's an incredible stat, I think. Add to that, outside of the South, or South, uh, as some might say, church plants are 19% of all baptisms. So let's say 40 states. Use your round number. Take the 40 states of, of, of the Great Commission uh, a Baptist, and nearly 20% of them are coming from new church plants. Now, that tells us one thing. One is this is, this is a, a working strategy for the Southern Baptist Convention. It also means the traditional churches, we ain't doing too good with our baptismal numbers. In fact, the whole convention, baptisms are, are drown, are, keep dropping pretty dramatically. All right, so this is last year, 2020, in Canada. Now, remember, 2020, um, a, a small thing called COVID-19 happened, okay? So... Um, uh, actually, I think this is, this is still since 2010. In Canada, 54% of all Baptist churches have been planted since 2010. More than half of Canadian baptisms come from one of these planets. One of these plants, church plants, forgive me. Uh, I need an editor, okay? Um, that needs to be bigger. Uh, since 2000, in 2020, it, it should say up there, yeah, you can see where I copied and pasted. Of 588 new plants, this is last year alone during COVID, 143 affiliations, uh, new affiliations. This would be a church that may have been independent Baptist, a community church, non-denominational, something like that. And they now align themselves with the Southern Baptist Convention. Okay. Um, I, I was uh, approached about a DOM position when I was in Breckenridge County. And one of the things that I talked about, I said there's like five churches in this area that are Southern Baptist in every way but name. What are the chances that we could just go talk to them? Now, all of them would probably say no, but, you know, that, that's, that's not unusual. Uh, there, there could be historical reason why they're not part of the SBC. Maybe it goes back to the, you know, the sort of split, the liberal conservative stuff. Some are just community church plants, and, and, but they're like us in many ways. 126 new church campuses. This is where you have a larger church planting a church campus, um, uh, which, which is a good model. It just it affects um, uh, the whole autonomy thing, but that's a separate issue. Also, um, uh, yeah, this is also since 2010. There have been 857 new congregations planted. Uh, no, no, this is 2000. I'm sorry, for, forgive my, my tie. This is last year. So if you take these numbers, you add them up, you get 857 new congregations in the Southern Baptist Convention in North America. That's incredible. It really is incredible. That is 60% of those plants. Uh, um, are multi-ethnic. That is, they, they are not uh, predominantly Anglo-Saxon. Um, 
Now, this follows the trend uh, uh, culturally, demographically as, as well. Right? I think you're starting to see that in Frankfurt. I've only been here six years, but I've, I, I've seen some of that. Frankfurt's 20% non-white, and I think our local association is, is getting there. We've still got a long way to go. Uh, but I think you are starting to see this. You're starting to see it in the national convention and the state convention as well, this reflection of racial diversity. International Mission Board, where we send missionaries overseas. Uh, by the way, uh, uh, Josh Benton was mentioned today. He's involved with some of the send relief stuff on the NAM side, North American Mission Board. Uh, so he's doing great work. So you played a role uh, directly in that way by getting rid of him. <laughs> right? You can tell him I said that. Um, now, he's, he's doing really, really good work. The International Mission Board and the North American Mission Board together do a lot of relief. You probably see that in the news, just not in the mainstream news. Um, the SBC, uh, I went to this Sunday, even though I was saying uh, Mary a second ago. If, if, if the IMB does another send celebration where, where they, they, they send new missionaries out, right, they have a special service, I think we should go to it. I think they've done them at Southern. I could be wrong on that, uh, but I, I think we should go. I've, I, it's the only one I've ever been to. Um, basically is, is they give the name and the church that's sending them and where they're going. It's general area, so it'll say East Asia or Europe or something like that. And those whose identity have to be concealed are concealed because they're going into the Middle East or China or somewhere like that. Uh, it, it is amazing. These are husbands and wives. These are singles. These are families. And 64 new missionaries in this one service. They do multiple throughout the year. Um, and they will be joining... Uh, over 3,600 missionaries that are around the world right now. Uh, and since the pandemic, so this is over the last year, 500 uh, missionaries have been commissioned and 247 new people groups and places are engaged. I think you'd be surprised how many people groups are in the world have never had access to the gospel. Uh, since the pandemic, 769,000, let's say 500 people heard the gospel compared to just over a half a million in 2019. Who said that everything was bad with the pandemic? 144,322 new believers as a result, and uh, nearly 87,000 people were baptized. And, and you, you think, well, why weren't there 145,000 people baptized? Well, when I went to Africa, for, for someone to be baptized was a clear... Uh, choice to, to break off everything they've ever known. Uh, we baptized a, 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 uh, a grown woman who her husband had left her, her father had abandoned her, took everything from her. She had no home, she had no family, children were taken from her, and she eventually came the week we were there and said, the only thing I have is Christ, I'm ready to be baptized. But it had taken years for her to get there. Uh, um, we actually baptized two, and the missionary says, this, this never happens. You guys are like the luckiest people in the world. It was a cool experience. Um, so, so the fact that there are eight, nearly 87,000 people, 87,000 people, this is, this is uh, the city of Frankfurt times three around the world. As you and I are sitting here, people are getting saved multiple a day, thousands of them every day are getting saved. This is stuff you're not going to get in the Washington Post. You're not going to get any of these details unless you go to Kentucky Today or Kentucky Baptist Convention or Baptist Press or something like that. So, so second thing I'm thinking is, is the mission work. Third is the growing diversity and, and generational change. Don't, don't misread what it is I'm saying here. If you believe that our convention is getting older and dying out, I, I really encourage you to go to any pastor's conference of our convention or the annual convention or state convention itself. 
Um, there, there is a great variety as there should be. I am not one of the things what we need is a bunch of young pups in here. Because for one, I'm not a young pup anymore. You know, like once you hit 35, you're considered, you know, you're not cool and, and hip anymore. So I'm past all that. Um, but I think you need all age groups represented. You need seasoned veterans, elderly pastors retired who can give clear wisdom and guidance to younger guys. Because I was that younger guy. And I was fortunate enough to serve under um, a, a guy who, who pastored this church for nearly 30 years. I learned so much from him. I'm hoping to get him here soon. Um, so, so be encouraged. It, it, it does look a lot, lot younger than what, what you might think. Uh, it's leadership. It's church plants. Um, and it's trustees and everything else reflects the growing diversity of, um, of our convention. You go back to those numbers, what percentage are multi-ethnic? Ethnic. In fact, I think most of our churches are going to be multi-ethnic uh, just by default for long. And, and that is if you choose not to read and believe everything you're getting in the news and on your television. If you left that world, I think you would see your neighbor in a whole lot better light. Um, but that, that's a separate sermon. Um, so I, I, I am encouraged by that. Um, Southern Baptists elected their first African-American president several years ago. This is close to 10 years ago. Uh, uh, and... Um, I think of the four presidents, three were uh, promoted by African-Americans. One was, I believe, an actual African immigrant, uh, a, a young lady. Um, and uh, um, so some of your key leaders are non-Anglo-Saxon. I mean, it, it really is amazing to see. Uh, the, where, so the SBC is in decline, but in minority people groups, particularly African-American, Hispanic, and Asian, uh, they're growing. Quite significantly. So if you were to take a picture, a snapshot of what does the average Christian look like in the world, they do not look like a southern white person. They look Asian. If you just demographically around the world, they're Asian or African, not American. So too, if you look at the Southern Baptist Convention, it's getting the same way. All right. so, so I think you should be encouraged. Again, you're, you're, what you're going to get in the paper is, well, the SBC has declined because no one likes religion and they hate black people. And that's just not true at all. And all these Trump supporters hate immigrants. Well, it's because they don't have eyes to see. And I'm not talking in a spiritual sense, right? I'm saying that they've not been an eye doctor. Uh, finally, uh, and we could do others. Parachurch organizations. You go to Exhibit Hall. Uh, you go to my desk. I, I finally got all my stuff out. It's just piles full of stuff. Um, any pastor's conference, convention, anything like that, it can be a bit overwhelming with all the things that are available to you. This is a list I, off the top of my head. It took two seconds to do. Christian legal help, disaster relief, church science, school, universities, colleges, seminaries, missionaries, Christian resources, ministries, and media. Um, there are countless opportunities to serve in Christ's kingdom uh, in partnership with our convention and other Christians. It really is incredible the number of Christians that are using their, their skills and gifts to, to serve in Christ's kingdom. So legal counsel would, would be one. Uh, uh, touring the Holy Land would, would be another. Uh, of course, education opportunities uh, online and, and in person, uh, various media outlets, all this sort of stuff. It, it really is overwhelming uh, to, to see. And, and I'm, I'm thankful for, for all the opportunities we have. We have more resources at, at, at our hands to reach the world for Christ. And the question is, why aren't we reaching the world for Christ? Um, okay. So, I'm, so first thing, Thanksgiving. Second thing is unity. Again, you're not going to get this in, in your paper. 
If your view of the Southern Baptist Convention comes from news, online, social media, or depressed ministers, then you're probably going to think that the SBC is on the verge of collapse. This is actually why I started with, I think we need to see the SBC through the lens of the local church and not through its, its, its convention. Now, that's part of it, yes, because we, we choose to align with that. But uh, the local church, if you were to talk to the average Baptist, they're all going to sound and talk the same talk. What are the things that we, we are most passionate about? Well, um, we, 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 it's, it's, it's all the same things, isn't it? Now, we live in a world where everyone wants to see war, don't we? Anyone follow politics? Right? If, if a guy came, came up and he said, look, it is my mission, if you elect me to be your congressman or whatever, it is my mission to get both parties to just get along and pass meaningful uh, uh, legislation. Will that person get elected? No. Well, the other side will call him a liar. And his side will call them fake. Right? Uh, we want war. We want conflict. We want drama. We want the battles. Um, and that is the things that, that gets us most excited. Uh, I mean, think about it. If, if there was a controversy here and we were going to vote on as a church, which do you think will have a higher attendance? That business meeting where we're going to deal with something controversial or the worship service that follows immediately after it? Why is that? You can go to the annual convention, and, and I think J.D. we'll get to J.D. Career here in a minute in his sermon. I think everyone should hear that. Uh, but it was probably half the people that were there for the controversial business meeting heard it because we want the war. We want the battles. Um, but I think you'd be surprised by, by the unity. Let's just talk about it briefly. Baptists agree on the essentials, the gospel, the Bible, the trinity, the church, the mission. Right? We all agree on this. Every convention, state, local, national, it's all the same, the Great Commission. It's the gospel. We believe the Bible. The Bible tells us to go on the Great Commission, right? It's, it's always the same thing because it's what we all believe. Forty years ago, 35 years ago, we fought for the inerrancy of Scripture. We won the only major nomination to go from liberal back to conservative. And, and that is a legacy by which we should be proud of. And we all agree on this. If you read anything or are told by anyone that this is not true, do not believe it. There is no one in leadership that disagrees with this right here. Okay? It's just not true. Secondly, we, we agree on our identity. Uh, we affirm the Baptist faith and message. If you are to be a leader in the SBC, uh, a professor in one of its uh, uh, six seminaries, you have to affirm the Baptist faith and message 2000. Uh, we all want racial peace and reconciliation. We all want it. Everyone. Uh, we all recoil at the thought and presence of any uh, sexual abuse. We disavow any corruption, especially in positions of influence and power. We all agree on this stuff. And we're, we, we may disagree with some of the specifics of how to fix things, but we all agree on these things, right? You are not bold in saying I'm against racism. We all are. I'm bold because I don't, I don't like women who are victimized by, by, by men. We're all against that, right? That doesn't make you courageous. Um, thirdly, a Baptist agree on important issues, uh, and these important issues may not be primary doctrines. So, so uh, we're no longer fighting over Calvinism. I miss those days. Never thought I'd say that. We're not really fighting over women in ministry. It'll come up every once in a while, but we're not really fighting over this stuff. We're not fighting over giving to the, to the cooperative program. The cooperative program is not found in the Bible. No one's fighting over it. We may fight, fight over allocation of cooperative program dollars. Sure, we're not, we all think, look, we should give to the convention to reach the world for Christ. Right? We, we all agree on this. Any Baptist you meet, we, we agree on it. 
Finally, we agree on our vision. This was something presented at the convention. i just give it to you quickly. Uh, this was voted on, not unanimously, uh, for various reasons, and amendments were – actually, one amendment actually passed, um, and, and, and I'll show it to you up here. But for the most part, you know, it's, it's as presented. Um, uh, so by 2025, this is their, their big vision um, of the uh, executive committee, increase our total number of full-time, fully-funded missionaries by, uh, by over 500 adding 500 missionaries um, so we have four more years to do that um, secondly add 5,000 new churches to the SBC uh, giving us more than 50,000 churches uh, which is an incredible number if you think about it uh, is that 100 churches per state on average is my math right on that if we reach the 50,000 when y'all when you homeschoolers can help me out um, that sound about right you're a history guy I don't, I don't trust your math okay um, <laughs> Third, uh, increase our total number of workers in the field through a new emphasis on calling out the call. This is calling more ministers and whatnot. Uh, fourthly, turn around our ongoing decline in reaching baptized discipling those under the age of, of 18. This is the update. It was originally ages 12 to 17, so this is brand new. Uh, it was changed at the convention to those under the age of 18. Uh, so children's ministry and, and youth ministry. The, the decline in baptisms for teenagers is, is quite scary. Uh, ever since, uh, I think it was 2000, was, was the chart they showed. Um, so, yeah, fifth. Increase our annual giving uh, to the cooperative program, surpassing $500 million. Think about it. We, we, we are giving a lot for missions uh, around the world. Sixthly, uh, prayerfully endeavor for God to eliminate all instances of sexual abuse and racial discrimination monitoring. Can you tell that there are two big controversial issues going into this? Uh, they, they, they put it into the vision statement. Um, so, so let me just say, those who say that the SBC is not dealing with these two very, two very serious issues aren't paying attention. It is in the literal vision statement for the next five years. Here's a big issue. We need to deal with it pronto. Right? And the second this is voted on, it was voted on because I, I voted for it, um, it goes into effect. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's right here. Um, so we agree on all these things. Right. You're not going to read about any of this in the paper. Okay? So you talk to your average Baptist here or there, and we're all going to agree on all of these things. Now, some nuance, may some, some disagreement, but th these are all important stuff. We all agree on this. There's no liberals running anything. Okay? So let's talk about this, this ugly thing. Um, uh, a few months ago, uh, the organizers of the convention had to change venues for the convention because the venue they chosen was too small. Now, let's take our average business meeting. We're done in 10 minutes, and we try to break our record every time to the glory of God. And we have a rough idea how few people are going to be here for those business meetings. But let's say we have a controversial issue come up. Will the numbers be increased or decreased at this business meeting? Could be increased. So, when they had to change venues from one to to a larger one, music uh, Music City Center downtown, right next to where the uh, uh, the Nashville. So I sent Jason the picture of, of it was right next to it, right next to the Country Music Hall of Fame, um, and like Johnny Cash Museum was right right up the road. Um, uh, so this is big place. Uh, so you go from averaging like ten thousand messengers to it was predicted twenty thousand. You know there's going to be controversy, and uh, there were times when things were quite tense. 
Um, what you're mostly hearing in the news is this disunity, and there is genuine disunity, okay? Um, I, did I put them up here? Yeah. Um, no. Uh, so here's four things I, I, I want to point out that are, that are stirring disunity. Number one, accusations, note the word there, accusations of secretive liberalism. Right. Now, how you define liberalism is probably going to be very different for me. There are some people in this association I am more liberal than. There are some people in this association here in Franklin County I'm more conservative than. There are people in this church I'm more liberal than. There's people in this church I'm more conservative than. That should be okay. What we're not talking about is, is the Bible true and sufficient? Right. Now, liberalism can be applied politically or theologically. Uh, it is a bit of a spectrum. But there is the accusation of secretive liberalism. Right? Out in public, they're not saying this stuff, but in behind the classrooms or the pulpits, it's, it's being said. That's the accusation. Secondly, accusation of promoting critical race theory. Uh, critical race theory is the buzzword right now. It'll be a different one next week, no doubt. And it has to do with, with how do we approach racial reconciliation. Um, and um, I, I don't want to chase, chase that rabbit, although it's a very big issue. Um, thirdly, uh, accusations of covering up uh, sexual abuse. Um, fourthly, confusing political alignment with theological fidelity. Now, what you need to hear me say is if we were to refer to... Um, Orthodox Baptists, these terms aren't the most helpful. Orthodox Baptists with fundamentalist Baptists in our convention. That is those on the more far right. That's not me. I'm not one of those. And those who are just your garden variety Baptists. I don't know what terms to use here, so forgive me. Um, both sides are accusing the other of different things. So, so your more fundamentalist side is all they see is liberalism and critical race theory being introduced into their convention. Your less fundamentalist side, all are conservative, all are orthodox. What they're seeing is the covering up of sexual abuse in churches and in the uh, national convention, particularly at the executive committee. Okay? And they are also concerned with um, the more fundamentalist side on the right. Their, their, their approach to the convention seems to mirror their politics. So where political alignment drives theological fidelity. I don't know if that makes sense. I mentioned this a few, few, few Sunday nights ago. If I came out critical of critical race theory, does that make me a part of the alt-right? Right? The culture would say yes. Right? If I came out concerned with issues of immigration, does that make me a liberal? You see, like, like we're talking political alignment is the definition of your theological fidelity, and that is not found in the Bible. So there's real concerns with that. Um, now, these were demonstrated in a number of ways. One, um, every seminary president has in writing in months past and did today in their presentations uh, publicly renounced critical race theory. So I just want to be very clear. No one is promoting at the convention level critical race theory. If you like, I can give you the uh, resolutions on race and you can read it. It condemns. Maybe not by name because, you know, we have to have the name in there. Otherwise, it's not binding. Of course, it's not binding anyways. But, but everyone is, is denouncing critical race theory. When the resolution says that any worldview that says that that's the cause of racism is not attached to sin and the solution to racism is not attached to the gospel, we do not accept. 
And critical race theory is, does not buy into that, right? So we believe that the root sin of racism is sin, and the solution to racism is Jesus Christ, who was not a white guy from the South. He was a Middle Eastern man with a funny accent in Galilee. All right. so, so we're kind of for all people. Because if Jesus wasn't for all people, you and I, as descendants of Europeans, wouldn't be Christians. All right. So... So no, no one is. Uh, so so seminary presidents probably renounced that today. The Southern Baptist Convention messengers adopted Resolution Three regarding racial reconciliation. I've got it here if you want it. Uh, the messengers rejected additional powers given to the executive committee, um, uh, and part of that is because the executive committee is now officially, by the order of the Southern Baptist Convention messengers, under investigation for covering up sexual abuse, and we felt it would be inappropriate to have to give that committee more authority if there is a cloud of corruption or abuse hanging over it. May not be true. I don't know. Sort of thing we have to wait for the investigation, right? That's the way I wrote. But if there is this cloud, why don't we wait until that is resolved? Uh, that was quite a shocking thing um, and not something that was expected. Uh, you, you, you may have read something about that. The New York Times described it as uh, moderate Baptists are holding off the conservative Baptists. Now, I voted for all this stuff. I am not a moderate. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm conservative. I'm not fundamentalist, but I'm, I'm very conservative. And hopefully I've demonstrated that in six years. Uh, finally, the election of Ed Linton for president. There are four presidents, and um, it had to go to a runoff. So you have to win over 50% of the vote to be president. Now, what does the president do? He has little authority over your life. He has no authority over your life. He basically runs the annual convention, and he appoints trustees and other committee members uh, or committee member heads. Our state convention president does the same thing, right? So it's a very strategic position. He's, he's often the uh, uh, person that the media talk to. Uh, so if you hear someone representing SBC's prior president, it's a, it's, a, it's a one or two year stint. J.D. Greer did it for three because of COVID last year. Uh, convention was canceled. Uh, however, the big fight was over who's going to win the presidency. You would know one of the names was R. Albert Moeller Jr., president of Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Here's a picture of me and uh, and Moeller uh, at one of my graduation shindigs. You know, so I'm, I'm a big Moeller fan. I, I mean, we, we paid a lot of money to him. Um, uh, and uh, there were four guys. It basically came down to two things. The more fundamentalist side uh, wanted to vote for one candidate. The other side wanted to vote for the other three candidates. So those votes were split between those three candidates. And what happened was when they narrowed it down to two, the two leading candidates, the, the basically where the vote was split. So think of the 1992 presidential election. In the presidential election, you don't have to, have, get, you don't have to get 50%. So uh, which remember that, that Bill Clinton was elected president without the majority of Americans voting for him. You need to remember that next time you hear people complain about W or Trump or, or or someone like that. Anyways, that's neither here nor there. That's me being a history buff. Anyways, um, so when it goes to the runoff, those three split votes went to Ed Linton, who won with 52% of the vote. So there was a, a split. You need to know, it's almost always split on, presid on presidents, okay? Uh, if, if, if we had two quali qualified men, and we, we said, you're going to vote on who's going to be deacon. It, it can only be one. It's going to be split in this, this, this congregation, right? A split doesn't necessarily mean the church is split. What it means is you, you got two candidates, and in this case, you, you've got two guys who love Jesus, 
love the Southern Baptist Convention, they believe the Bible, or orthodox in every ways. They have some fundamental disagreements over some things. One of them was the head of the executive committee during all the accusations of, of sexual cover-up. So that is where a lot of the, 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 the controversy was. So, no. so how do we respond to these? And, and we're not going to get to, to, to Genesis, and that's okay. It'll be there next week. Uh, Lord willing, we will be unless the Lord tarries. So this is what I want to say. How do we respond? First of all, the SBC remains as orthodox as it ever has been. Every entity head, every trustee, everyone in leadership believes in the Baptist faith and message. I think Larry walked you all through the Baptist Faith and Message, you know, 10 years ago or something. I've taught on a little bit. I've written on it on the website. I taught it where I was before. I believe in the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. I accept it without hesitation. Um, so the question becomes not are we conservative, but are we conservative enough? And this is, this is where I think uh, theological fidelity is confused with political alignments. And so the race is to become who can prove their conservatism? I have a problem with that fight. I really do. I, I don't care how far right you are. I care how faithful you are to the gospel. Right? But, when you, but, but, but that, that leads us towards legalism. That, that raises some flags for me. Um, and you may disagree with me on that. That's fine because we all agree on the most important things. Uh, secondly, again, we're not debating theological foundation but practical application. It has always been a Christian a question among Christians about can we borrow truths from a non-Christian perspective? Uh, can we borrow those? For example, uh, counseling. Can you take uh, modern science of psychology and whatnot and apply that to Christian counseling? This was a major issue when I was at Boyce. A major issue at Boyce. Um, and and they, they, they decided we're, we're going to cut ties with some of this stuff. So can you say, here's something that has worked in a secular worldview can we apply that and use that as a tool in a Christian context? So you can look at theology, or, or, uh, psychology. You can look at therapy and counseling. We can look at this at racial reconciliation, can't we? So the question is, is if, if all truth is God's truth, or is it what does Jerusalem have to do with Athens? Two very different perspectives on how to deal with things within gospel-believing, Bible-preaching Christians. Okay? So we're not debating theological truths. We're, we're debating the practical side of things. Um, and, and I think it's helpful if we see it that way. How should we respond to a racial division that's only getting worse in our country? And everyone in the convention says we don't want it to get worse in our midst. We're different because we're Christians. Everyone is saying that. We're disagreeing on what does that look like practically right now. And I think that's a conversation worth having in a friendly way. Unfortunately, not very friendly. Thirdly, I do think the sexual abuse accusations are a very real problem. That is a stain we cannot accept. We cannot accept that at all. Maybe you came across the uh, story in uh, the Dallas Morning News or whatever it was a few years ago. You can Google it, uh, where uh, they, they found um, way too many instances of uh, covering up sexual abuse in local Baptist churches. Now, that has trickled itself up to at, at the convention level. Um, on his way out the door, I have my own opinions about what was done here. Uh, Russell Moore, the former president of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, uh, lobbied accusations that the executive committee was covering up uh, sexual abuse. Now, he has left the convention. Um, and I have my own opinions about, about some of how some of that was handled. But uh, I do think this is a very real issue, a very serious issue that we should take seriously. 
um, and doing nothing about it, I don't think is acceptable. You would not accept it if there is an accusation here and I ignored it or covered it up. You would not accept that. You'd fire me on the spot, as you should. And I think we should hold the, our, our uh, executive committee to the same standards, right? And um, so what has happened is uh, that was voted on by messengers today, almost unanimously from what I've read. It was online, so it may not be true. Um, it was in New York Times, so you know it wasn't true. But um, I think those are good things. If the investigation from a third party comes back and says all of these accusations are wrong, then we will say it was wrong. Let's move forward. If it says it's true, then we, they need to be dealt with. There have been victims in our churches of sexual abuse, and that is not okay. Right? Um, okay, fourthly, uh, the migration uh, of political identity with scripture fidelity is a real problem. I've seen this, um, maybe it's because I'm in Frankfurt. Um, but I've seen this um, just as a Kentucky Baptist. Um, a good example of this, I mentioned Russell Moore. He was nearly fired from his position as the head of our ethics and religious liberty wing. He was nearly fired, went under investigation by our convention simply because he objected to the election of Donald Trump to the presidency of the United States. I do not care what you think about someone who's running for political office. I don't. You vote for whoever it is you want. Not really in my business. I want you to think as a Christian, with a Christian worldview, yes. But your membership here is not based off of who you vote for, right? And I do have a problem. This is just a blaring example of it, a more public example. But you have probably have sensed this, right? What were the debates in our state alone over masks? There were churches where we're like, well, I'm not going to go there because they make you wear masks. Well, I'm not going to go there because they don't make you wear masks. This is where I felt really pulled as a pastor. If I could just be real honest with you. I think it's a Christian liberty issue. We respect governing authorities, right? So, so we respected all those here. Everything we were told to do within reason we did. But we also respected Christian liberty. Uh, we also expect, respected that people are different. Some people have mental conditions. They cannot wear masks for two hours at a time. We respect that. Right, and if if you were bothered by that on the political side, I'm not interested in the political side. Right, how can we love our neighbor in a gracious way? And if that means I wear a mask to church, I was going to wear a mask. I, I, I don't, I don't care. But a lot of our churches within our convention chose something as small as a fifty cent mask and said, "You are not loving Jesus unless you do it like this, unless you agree with me." And it's striking. Pro masks were usually on the on lean left. And anti-mask seem to lean right. What? Why is that? You want to explain that to me? I don't. I don't understand that. We've done the same with the vaccines. This is just 2020. Same thing with shutting down churches. You know, we we did all the things that we did here. Some said that if you shut down church, you're unfaithful. Some say that if if, if you don't shut down your church, you're unfaithful. How do you love people in a single congregation when they're all over the place like that? One of the things you, you, I think you have to do is you cannot make um, political identity the identity of your theology. And I, I am concerned that is happening in our convention. I really do, do think that is a problem. But what else do you expect? Our culture is too politicized. Everything is politics. If we loved Jesus and read our Bibles with the same passion by which we followed our favorite political group, we'd win this city for Christ tomorrow. And this is, this is a real problem with, with our convention. Finally, this is where we're in James. I, I didn't forget about it. We're in going to be in James. 
How we speak to each other to act online, I do think is quite shameful. Uh, and this is, of course, not just true of Southern Baptists, it's true of all Christians. Uh, let's read James chapter 3, shall we? James 3, I'm just taking this right from uh, J.D. Greer's sermon. Um, I thought it was just, just the perfect passage to look at. Uh, he, he just referenced it in passing, but it's so good. Verse 13 of James 3. Who is wise and understanding among you? Now, that is a good question to ask, right? Now, notice there, James is putting wisdom and discernment or understanding as, as synonyms, right? Discernment is knowledge with wisdom, right? Or wisdom is knowledge with discernment, right? These words are together. It's not mere knowledge. We've got a lot of smart people who are fools, right? Um, so who, who, who are these people? Well, by his good conduct... Let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. So if, if you want to in your Bible, you can circle the word meekness. A key attribute to wisdom is that of meekness. Now, what is meekness? Meekness is not softness. It is, it is a quiet strength. A lot of people see meekness as weakness. It's not that. It is strength. The sort of person that does not lose his temper every time his feelings are hurt is a person who's meek. You know people in your life who they say little, but when they speak, everyone listens and everyone follows. My RA group leader was that guy. Couldn't get three words out of him. But when he spoke, you did everything he asked. Some of you guys are this way. And, and I, I, I love that. That's never been a gift I've had of being quiet, right? <laughs> that's, that's, that's my problem. So, so meekness, okay? So if you're shouting as loud as you can in, in, in big emojis and capital letters online, you're already violating God's word. If you think sharing that video is going to convert someone to your political ideology, you're a fool, you're not wise. It's the opposite of meekness. Opposite of meekness. Verse 14, but if you have bitter jealousy, selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false in the truth. You're not wise. You can circle these terms if you want to. Bitter jealousy. Bitterness, jealousy. It's a fascinating how these two words go together because they do go together. If you're jealous of someone, it will feed your bitterness. If you're bitter towards someone, it'll feed your jealousy. And it will show up in, in all kinds of ways. Chances are you've been in that conversation with someone and, and, and you're wanting to have a, a nice dinner or watch a movie or watch the game or something. And, and they're saying, look, look, I'm not saying anything, right? I just want to say, you know, just, you know, and they'll say that one thing. You're like, okay, that's it. Five minutes later, they're talking about it again. Five minutes later, talk, and the whole time they're, like, they're saying, it's their problem, it's their problem, it's their fault, it's their fault. Like, if, it, if it's their problem, why are you still talking about it? Because your bitterness is feeding your jealousy. Your jealousy is feeding your bitterness and you're annoying. <laughs> frankly, right? But what do bitter people do? What do jealous people do? They want people to join them in their bitterness. So we'll create an online group. That'll, that'll heal me. I'll surround myself with bitter people and we'll come up with solutions that'll fix my bitterness, at least with my blind eyes, but reality won't. If this guy isn't elected, if this isn't voted on in the convention... If this doesn't happen to my church and we don't change this, then I'm just going to be bitter. And Because I'm in the right, right? Now, if we did do these things, then I'll be happy. No, you'll just still be miserable. It's fascinating, isn't it? Every time someone who's bitter get what they want, they find another reason to be bitter. All right? That is foolishness. Anyone watch the news? You're seeing it every day. 
If we win this court case, then finally there will be justice in the city. Okay, win the court case. Burn the city down. If we find corruption over here, then our side will be proven right. No, no, no. Let's go storm the capital. No, then these things don't fix anything. Because it's a spiritual problem. See, now you all got me preaching. All right, moving on. Selfish ambition in your hearts. Do not boast, be false to Verse 15. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above. Now, where does this wisdom come from? Notice, it is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. This is the thing I think Revelation has been really helpful for me in our study of it. The world's problems are not political, economical, or religious. They are spiritual. Where you see this sort of bitterness and envy and malice and anger and jealousy and all this sort of stuff, you're engaged in a spiritual war. Not a theological one. That's the real problem with, with our convention and in many of our churches right now. Chances are we'll get people to come into this church who have left their churches for reasons that are just goofy. So we've, we've gotten that. And guess what? Because they've not dealt with the spiritual warfare in their own hearts, they're going to bring it right here. It wasn't too long ago I told someone, pulled them aside and said, this new person that's coming, they'll be gone in six months. And, and they wanted to be in leadership. They wanted to do all this stuff. The, the way you can tell, right? I'm going to give you away some of my trade secrets. Listen to them talk about the previous three churches. If every one of them had a problem and it wasn't them, you will be added to that list, this church. By the way, apply this to your relationships. You got a friend and all of his other friends are, are terrible people. Guess who's about to be added to that list? You. It's amazing that we can see that there's one common denominator, our misery, and yet we never think, well, it has to be me. No, it's got to be this or that, right? No, it's you. You're a miserable human being. You need to repent. It is demonic. Verse 16, where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder. There was booing at this point. I, I, I joked, I joke with the deacons or something. Oh, I said, give me a dollar. I'll boo at John at the next business meeting, right? Right. He, he could say, uh, who seconds the motion must be dismissed? Boo, right? I don't care what the context is. I just want to boo at John, right? Don't tell my parents I said that. I did that at a game one time, and they wore me out. We do not boo at referees, right? So I became one. Um, no, no other mothers taught their children that from what I learned. Um, there will be disorder. Now, apply what he says here. Where there is disorder, far majority of times because of, of spiritual sin, Remember that in this church. Remember that next time someone complains, and that someone might be you. If you're, if you're causing disorder, the problem is not with the bylaws of this church or convention. The problem isn't who's in or out of order or what was said in the press release. The problem is the person stirring disorder. And every vile practice, but the wisdom from above is pure, peaceable, gentle, Open to reason. You scratch that out. That's not in the Bible. Full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. It's almost like Paul would call these the fruit of the spirits. Almost, but, you know, we don't need to listen to that. In other words, wisdom from above means you act like a Christian, whether your identity online is anonymous or not. I don't understand why this is so hard. Look, when I did the interview process here, y'all had an experience with a previous guy. 
And so there, was, there were tense moments there because, hey, things didn't work out as the other guy. We don't want to go through this again. Okay. One of the issues that came up was I have a website. I've blogged for years. And I've written all kinds of weird things about a lot of things. I've got books. I've written a lot of weird things about a lot of wild things. Much of it I've, I've deleted because I was, I was young and dumb, like, like most of you all might still be. I don't know. Well, minus the, the, the young part. Well, I remember saying to one of the committee members, because they asked me about it. I said, I am accountable for everything I write online. Whether it's a blog, an article, an essay, a paper, or a tweet. I'm accountable for all of that stuff. Because I'm accountable for everything I say to my wife. I'm accountable for everything I say to you. Not because I'm your pastor, because I'm a Christian. <laughs> right? We get this. But something happens. When we get behind a keyboard, we lose our mind. Why is that? that that's demonic. Why, why do we do this? So... If, if you don't do this, but if you were to get on Twitter right now, I'm sure the same thing is on Instagram, Facebook, and other stuff, but I, I keep up the Twitter for some of my new stuff. And you go to the hashtag SBC21, you would think our convention was in utter and complete collapse. For one, because people love to stir drama and hate. They love it. And there is the attitude that is unbecoming of Christians. And the world follows that and thinks, why would I want to be like one of them? Oh, and this Sunday we'll, we'll sing, and they'll know we are Christians by our love, and we won't even know it's the hypocrisy. That, that, this is the root problem going on in the SBC. Verse 18 will be done, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Make peace. Man, I wish we read our Bibles, don't you? Let me add just one other thing. I, I can't put a video or anything up here, so just two words, J.D. Greer. He's our outgoing president. I guess he's not president now. Um, served for three years. Um, when I can find it, it's not posted yet, um, I'm sure they will put his sermon, his uh, presidential address online. I will put it on my website. I'm not going to put it on the church site. I don't think that's appropriate, or the church Facebook. I'll probably put it on my Facebook. Um, I want you to watch it. Um, it is pretty prophetic. His main concern is pharisaicalism in our convention. I think he's right. Um, I use different language to be more specific, but, but I, think he's, I think he's on to something. Uh, and he, he brings out James 3 that we just read. Uh, so I really encourage you. Um, um, it's one of the few Baptist sermons I've ever heard where Baptists stood up and clapped several times during it. I mean, I almost felt like I should repent. I stood up and clapped at a few parts, you know, um, because we don't do that. Um, he had a great line. I think it was him. I'd be a Baptist in my mind. I think it was him. It may not have been. A Baptist in my mind, Pentecostal in my spirit, and a Jehovah Witness in my feet. I like that. I like that. All right. Don't be theologically Jehovah Witness, but let's go out there and tell people about Jesus. Actually, I think it was him. So that's a good line. I may steal that. Okay. Any questions I could dodge? We're getting out early. It's okay. You ain't got to put through me Sunday. Put up with me Sunday. Well, let's open our Bibles. Turn Genesis 17. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, Don. Yeah.
Mm -hmm. About a month later, I went to a business meeting, and they opened up with the resignation of our pastor at the last meeting. Good. Yeah. But you know, churches do want to cover that stuff up, and this was in the late 90s. Every organization, and churches aren't any different, fear scandal. So if you can just deal with it quietly. Now, sometimes that, that is appropriate because you don't need to share everyone's dirty laundry. No. But if a member of this church is affected by a member of this church, it needs to be addressed. Let me just say, I don't have all the answers. This is another question I got in uh, the search committee process was, what do I think about church discipline? And it's clearly in the Bible. What are you going to do with it? And this is why it's in the Bible. I mean, the, the church has to say, because of the victims. So you didn't have to be sexual abuse. Let's say you have adultery, because um, we, we've dealt with some of this here. If, if the church does nothing, what you just said to the victim of adultery or abuse, whatever it is, uh, no big deal. Your suffering is, is not sufficient enough to take notice of it. Uh, and and that, 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 isn't, that isn't appropriate. Now, again, when it comes to, to these issues, I don't know all the answers to them. And I don't know what happened, all that sort of stuff. But if, if, the, um, if, if the accusations are there I, I, and, and they seem credible, I think they should be dealt with. And, and so I think the convention is going the right direction. Third party, Roach. Yeah, Danny. You know, uh, years ago, you know, you, you talked about in Matthew, Jesus told us how to have discipline in the church. I mean, it's written there in black and white, with three steps how to do it. Yeah. But nowadays, it's it's unheard of mm -hmm. to hear a church practicing discipline within their own body. Why yeah. is that? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I th think we know. Um, now, I will say when it comes to church discipline, a far majority of it doesn't get to that point. Okay? And there are some questions about when people choose to separate themselves from the church because sin has been dealt with privately. Should that then be brought public? I don't have all the answers to these questions, and we can think of all kinds of scenarios. But church discipline, the goal is not to do church discipline in Matthew 18. So it's, it's the self-discipline. We've gone through these in sermons before. Then there's the one-on-one, -on -one, take small group, take leaders, and, and then, then before the church. The goal is repentance. Uh, and if, if there isn't repentance, there needs to be understand you are in sin. We don't recognize that you have the Spirit working in your heart. And sometimes that happens with, and I've had conversations with people who have come to this church for a long time. They're not here anymore because they wouldn't deal with sin. Right? And I would say, look, this is, this, if, if, if you keep coming, this is something we'll have to deal with publicly because this is a public issue. And, and they choose to move on. I've told pastors, you know, hey, this person wants to join this church. I say, you make whatever decision you make, but this is why they're no longer associated with us. And I've gotten calls like that about people here in, in previous stops. There is some of it going on. We just don't see the uh, business meeting part of it. Um, but as concerned as we are, we don't always take sin as seriously as we should. I mean, look at the issue of race for the last 200 years. We haven't always taken that as seriously as we should. Anything else? Right. Hopefully, I've encouraged you guys tonight for our convention. Uh, I, I am a firm Southern Baptist. Believe it. I hope to be Southern Baptist dead uh, a long time or now. Or Southern Baptist rapture. How about that, Daddy? Southern Baptist rapture. Right? We'll all gather together. Um, but I will try to post some videos of, uh, on Facebook. I just not had time. I haven't stopped at all for several days. Of us singing. Um, and if you can, um, I think I put it, I think I put some of those on Facebook. I think I put one of them, uh, cause I mentioned Revelation five tribes, tongues, people, groups, and whatnot. Um, it's just all represented there. It is a glorious thing. Uh, be encouraged. Um, you know, I'd like for us to turn around our baptism numbers for us as a church and us as a convention and Lord willing, we, we will do everything we can to do that starting this Sunday 
at our Father's Day fellowship. You're going to invite everyone you can. Just bring bring in the sheaves. Am I getting that in the right context? Bring in the sheaves, and we're going to feed them. Get the bellies full. Make sure they get Jesus. You're going to invite them back. I was talking to someone today that they've been uh, inviting someone to church to, to, to come here. And uh, so they got my number. We'll hopefully meet with them soon. Now, maybe we'll have someone who's new to the faith and whatnot coming. That'd be exciting. Um, we're going to invite some of our neighbors and whatnot and some of friends. You do the same thing. VBS, don't waste the opportunity. Small group, don't waste the opportunity. We might do another outreach event. Don't waste that opportunity. Youth camp, kids camp, don't waste the opportunity. Trunk or treat in October, don't waste the opportunity. Back church Sunday in September, October, don't waste the opportunity, right? If you want to turn around the, the, the decline of baptism, you turn around the decline of baptism. That'll do it. All right, how about we stand up for the very last time. Next week, we'll, we'll get in our circle again. Very last time, we'll stand up and pray. You are tired of hearing me pray. So how about uh, Don Douglas, you close it out in prayer?